0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. looking at John 6, so you can open up your Bible to John 6, verse 35, and then when you guys are there, I'll give you like five seconds. All right, then I'll read it. So John 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Okay. And then now, if you guys would join me in prayer right now for uh, this session today. Uh, so you Just bow your head. Thank you. Dear Lord, just come before you, God, um, and truly just give you thanks, God, for the wonderful God that you are. Um, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, we're here together, all these college students, um, and we're just here, you know, to learn more about you, God, and I really just praise you and just get to know you more, Lord, because we know every single day in, day out, you're, you know, continuously um, just pursuing us, Lord. Uh, I want to pray for this time right now, God, that we can just, you know, completely turn our mind and heart to you um, and and really just, you know, um, just give our full attention to you, God, and really just see you know, what this conference, you know, can do for us, because we know you're here with us, God. We know that you're working here um, through us. Uh, so I want to pray for this time, Lord. I want to pray, you know, for Pastor, you know, Derek Puckett, Lord, and I pray that you speak through him, God. Um, and I pray that, you know, he's, um, you, that you just speak through him, that he's able to just really connect with us um, and just share the message that he has, Lord. Um, and just thank you for being, you know, the beautiful, amazing father that you are, God. Um, just know that we praise you and that we love you, Lord. Thank you so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
1: Man. I see. You already got it. No lie. I used to walk down the hall and say, The Champ is here. Y'all seen that movie a lot, Ali. Come on now. Y'all got to go home and watch that. It's on Netflix, okay? Uh, well, it's good to be here. Anybody excited about this, this week? Well, good, good. My name is Derek Puckett. Uh, they call me Pastor D at my church, and some of them are here, so I'm going to be here for a couple days with you, so I want y'all to be a bit of family with me. Can y'all do that for me? Can you be my family? And so family at my church, they call me Pastor D. So on the count of three, I need y'all to say, what up, Pastor D? One, two, three. What up, Pastor D? Let's do that again because y'all weren't loud enough. One, two, three. I up, Pastor D? I love it. I love it. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Well, as they said, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I pastor a church called Renewal Church of Chicago. Where are my Chicago people at? All right, all right. I love it. I love it. Pastor Renewal Church of Chicago is a a multi-ethnic gospel-centered church in the city of Chicago. We're not in the suburbs. We're in the city of Chicago. So not Chicagoland. That's Chicago proper. So come visit us if you're ever there. I'm married to my wife Kaylee, y'all. If she was here, I would tell you she is the sugar in my Kool-Aid. She is the after shave on my bald head, she's the wonder, in my wonder bread, she is half Belizean, half white, all fine, and she is mine, some of y'all get that on the way home, uh, we have five beautiful kids, so if you see them running around, um, y'all pray for me, I got five of them and four of them are girls, so pray for me and my little man, uh, we need it, uh, we need it but I love them dearly, and they're here with me, so um, if you see us in the hallway, don't hesitate to say hello to us. I do want to say thank you to all of the staff and the folks that are here that have put this on. Would y'all put your hands together? This is not easy to do. And um, in your booklet, I know it says that John O. is speaking, so if Although we have bald heads, we're not the same. I think I look a little better than um, John O. So uh, just come up. Just remember Pastor D, not John. OK, um, but y'all could tell him I, tell, I said I look a little better than him. Go ahead and tweet him, do whatever. But I pray for him as he got a little sick this week. That's a good friend of mine. But my prayer is that God will move in your hearts this week, not only as I'm speaking, but through the worship. Uh, through your talks after this, and just just this whole week, uh, He will meet you right where you are. I got saved in a place like this, where I gave my life to the Lord, and I believe that as you came in with all these things on your shoulders, God can meet you right where you are this Woo! week. Amen. So, with that said, before I get into this, by way of intro, y'all can see my skin color is brown. I'm a black preacher, right? Although I pastor a multi ethnic church, that means that I need y'all to participate as I'm preaching, okay? You have masks on, some of you, and I can't see you through all these bright, bright lights. So, I need y'all to say amen. Let's practice. Can y'all say amen? Can y'all say hallelujah? Say that's good, Pastor. That's good. All right now. All right now. I'm giving y'all some permission here. My man has got it all down. Just don't say, bring it home. That means I need to sit down, okay? All right, all right. Good. Before we get in our text, by way of intro, what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of days, uh, tonight we're going to start a series of messages where Jesus continually refers to himself as I am. Now, this comes from scripture where God tells Moses to go back to uh, Egypt and the free Israelites and when he tells Moses as they ask you who sent you he says tell them that I am sent you look at the scripture with me Exodus three fourteen. God says to Moses I am who I am he said say this to the people of Israel I am sending I sent you uh, to you I am has sent me to you Now, God says, I am who I am. And by saying I am, it means this. I don't want you to forget this. It means to be. And when mentioned this, he mentions it three times here in this passage, Exodus 3.14. It's related to the divine name Yahweh. Everyone say Yahweh. 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 Now, why is this important? This divine name Yahweh has suggested a, a wide range of nuances, meaning the fact that God is self-existent and therefore he's not dependent on anything else for his own existence. Number two, that God is dependent on, he's not dependent on anything else. God is the creator and the sustainer of all that exists. And number three, that God is immutable, God is unchangeable, his character stays the same. Some would say it like this, he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever This means that he doesn't change into who we want him to be or uh, he's not his changing or who he is doesn't depend on how we feel today or it goes up and down. He's the same God. Number four, God is eternal. He's eternal. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. Now, why is this important? While all of this is true, hear me, what God is really trying to get across to Moses here in Exodus 3.14 is that he will be with him and he'll be with his people of Israel. Because hear me, when God says this, he's not only saying that I am and I will be, he's saying I'm always going to be. So Moses, wherever you go, I am God, but I'm always with you. Don't forget that. See, he's trying to remind Moses and the people of Israel who he actually is. He's saying to them, no matter what you go through, my promises last forever. No matter how far you get off track, no matter how far you doubt, I am still God and I'm still for you. Now, friends, hear me. This is important as we enter this series of messages over the next couple of days, because Jesus, he not only came down to this earth to die for our sins when he died on the cross, to give us eternal life if we believe, but he's saying, I'll be with you, that I'm for you, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, Jesus says in the book of John, look at these statements with me. He says it five times. He gives the exclusive claim where he says, I am. And then he says it seven different times where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And lastly, I'm the true vine. Don't miss it. He's reminding us of who he is. That he always will be God. But at the same time, here's the good news. He'll always be for his people. Which means that he'll always be for us if we believe. So over the next couple days, again, my prayer is that God will meet you right where you are. But also pray that he'll challenge you. I pray that he'll encourage you. Some of us walked in here and we've had a a long semester. We've had a hard break. Family members have gotten sick. Some of you all have gotten sick. Maybe things didn't go the way you wanted to for Christmas or over the holidays. you bring a lot into this space. My prayer is that you'll turn your gaze towards Jesus. And you'll be satisfied with him knowing that he is and has all that you need. Amen. Flip with me in your Bibles. Go ahead into John 6. John 6. I'm going to read the whole passage. Uh, John 6, 25 through uh, 40. He read verse 35, but we're going to read uh, most of it for context. And then we'll walk through the passage tonight. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right, got it. Starting in the verse 25. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna, or ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the, for the bread of God is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son believes. And believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. The very word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, the bread of life, the bread of life. Before we go any further, let's pray. together. Father, thank you so much for tonight. God, I do ask that you would be the words that are coming out of my mouth. That you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place.
2: God, we do need you. So hide me behind your cross and have your way, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray all these things and everyone said together, "Amen." amen. Bread of life. I
1: remember when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was right before I went to play football at Indiana University for my Hoosiers. (laughs) Represent, brother, represent. I was going to play football at Indiana University, and I just accepted Christ. It was D1 school, Big Ten. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about it. This is my dream. But what I didn't know is that football had become an idol in my life. Now, an idol is anything you put above God. Now, hear me, an idol can be anything in your life. It's taking the good thing that God has given you and make it, making it the ultimate thing. And I didn't understand that football was that high up in my life. And I remember getting to a camp and I started feeling as if I was not supposed to play anymore. So I'm having this uh, this prayer time with God, like, God, I, I don't know what's going on. i play football my whole life. I want to keep playing. I, I, I don't know why I feel this way, and I can't keep playing this way. So I remember I, I knelt down on the field. It's right before I inter-squad scrimmage, and I said, God, look, if you don't want me to play football anymore, I need you to stop me today. Now, I messed up in that prayer. First off, who am I to tell God anything? But I remember that day like it was yesterday. After that, we got an inter-squad scrimmage. We have our full pads on, and I'm guarding the receiver. I'm playing cornerback, and I'm ready. I'm ready. They say hike, and I start taking off backwards. I'm guarding the receiver. I turn. They throw the ball. I find it in the air. I intercept it, and I'm running it back, and I get tripped up, and I fall down awkwardly, and I dislocate my elbow for the second time. I'm talking about elbow was in my tricep. Now, I knew from the first time that when it happened the second time, I could not play anymore. So my dream ended that day. And I was crushed. You're probably saying, well, Pastor D, I still don't understand how this is an idol. I mean, you got what you asked for. You went to school and then you prayed a prayer and God answered the prayer. You still got a full ride to school, all these other things. But let me tell you a little bit about the backs story, back side of this story. This is why it was an idol. Growing up, I was a pretty angry and confused kid. I was product of divorced parents, and many of you may be come from those same, uh, back, that same background. I was forced to grow up much quicker than most people. I was the oldest of four children, single mom at home, and And I was very aggressive and angry all the time. So my mother, noticing the aggression, instead of putting me in counseling, she said, look, I'm going to put you in football and you get to play football. And guess what, Derek? This is a sport where you can hit people and you won't get in trouble for it. I said, what? (laughs) Sign me up. And that's what I did, y'all. And I, I got pretty good at it. All I did was hit people. And my favorite thing to do, you got to understand, at age 12, if you're playing football and you go going to college, at age 12, you're probably one of the biggest, fastest, stronger Strongest players on the field, so they had me a DN, and all I'm doing is rushing the quarterback, and and he was my he it, it, my objective was to hurt him. I I had all this aggression. Sorry if you play quarterback. I, I didn't I didn't like tackling. I just wanted to, I just wanted to take all my anger out on this dude. I was angry all the time. You see, the thing about football is that it was the one thing in my life that I felt like not only was I good at but nobody could take it away from me. Football became my all in all. It defined me for the next nine years of my life. It became life. It became an idol. I took the good thing that God had given me, and I made it the ultimate thing. And so when I came to know Jesus Christ, the the ultimate one, the, the life giver himself, the one through which everything that has been made has been made where football became life to me, and he's the life together, I gave her needless to say when I met him, uh, football, my love for it became less and less. The two didn't really mix together,
2: and I always needed more It didn't mix because
1: football was defining me instead of Jesus. And the reason I knew that football would never suffice and it was defining me and I always needed more is because after every game or in the middle of the game, I would feel satisfied. I felt like everything was there. I needed everything I needed was on the field. But after the game, you know what? I was looking forward to the next game. I
2: always needed more.
1: I Didn't understand the fact that Jesus is where I got everything I needed. And hear me, some of you in here, in this room, a room this size, have walked into this place, this this conference, and you are just like me. You've made things in your life idols. You've misplaced your hope. And it may not be football. It may be school.
2: It it may be that fine girl or that boy. I know y'all looking at each other and walking in. Maybe money. You fill in the blank. During this pandemic, it may be you.
1: Strapped up in your own self. Every picture on your social media is a selfie. In the mirror, too, not just a selfie. Look at, look at, you gotta see the whole me. We see you see yourself in the mirror. We don't need to see you.
2: But, Henry, we've all walked in here in different places, and we've misplaced our trust and our hope. You fill in the blank. And God, just like he told Moses, and like he's saying in John 6, is saying, I'm here.
1: I'm trying to get your attention. Derek, just like I had to do on the football field, he's saying to you, all you need is me. Friends, today in our text, Jesus says to the people, Don't keep longing for the food that or the things that won't last. Just come to me and believe because I'm the bread of life. He says, I'm the bread of life, meaning I'm the bread that not only satisfies you for today or satisfies your hunger, but I'm the bread of life that satisfies your soul for all eternity. Which means for me, although football had ended, truth of the matter is my life really had just begun.
2: Here's the good news.
1: He not only came to the earth, Jesus, to die for the sins of those who believe, but the believer, hear me, can also
2: be reminded that he's with them always. He
1: says, I am, which means to be, and that he's with you always. He will always be. Which means no more longing for the memories and the things that satisfy temporarily. He's saying, just believe in me and I will satisfy you forever. Today, again, I want to talk about Jesus being the bread of life. And I want to preface our time, not only tonight, but this whole week with this question. I want you to ponder this question.
2: Do I really believe in Jesus And does Jesus truly satisfy me?
1: Do I really believe in Jesus? And does Jesus truly satisfy me? In the context of our scripture today, Jesus, he's just fed 5,000 men, which you honestly could say is 20,000 people. Because back then they did not count women and children. So if you count women and children... It's more like 20,000 people. Jesus takes five loaves of bread. This happens right before this passage, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he tells everybody to sit down on this hill and he breaks it all and he multiplies it and he gives it to them. And the thing I love about this text is, as you keep reading it, the disciples, it says they afterwards, after Jesus has fed them, they go out and they gather up leftovers, which behooves me because I'm looking at this. Jesus, you only started with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now he feeds twenty thousand people. But it says they have leftovers. So that means that these people they didn't just eat one helping. They were they were going back for seconds and thirds. Y'all Jesus didn't just feed them a meal, but he took them jokers to the all-you-can-eat buffet. Golden Corral. I mean, people sitting on the on the hill with bread hangovers and for y'all from the south, meat, meat sweats and stuff like that. I mean, think about that. He took five loaves of bread and two fish and he fed people and there were leftovers. Then the text says Jesus leaves and the disciples begin to row across the sea and a great storm arises. In the midst of the storm, they, they look out and they see Jesus now walking on the water. He's walking on the water and he calms the sea. Now, now, let me back up because I don't know if you're catching all this happening. Over the course of one day, the disciples have seen Jesus feed 20,000 people, not five people, 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, as well as calm a storm and walk on the water where many people hear me in the Sea of Galilee. They were known for dying in their boats because it's capsizing in the midst of the storm. See, what's happening here is that Jesus has shown them that he not only can work miracles, but that he is God. Because the Old Testament tells us that God is the only one that has power over the water or the sea because he created it. See, Jesus is trying to let the disciples and the people know who he is. He wants them to know that he is God. I mean if you slip on the boots for uh, of these people, if I'm one of the folks that saw this and I, I see Jesus feed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, I'm not only going to be scratching my head in amazement, but I'm going to be wondering, like, who in the world, who, who is this guy? Who who does this? What's going on right now? and And if he really is who he says he is, it would cause me to start asking some questions. It would lead me to this place that C.S. Lewis, a great writer, he writes mere Christianity, and he, he says these words. Look at him with me. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be here this a lunatic on the level of man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. Consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. The conclusion is that Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or Lord. He's either one or the other, And C.S. Lewis comes to the conclusion that he has to be Lord, which I would agree with. But when you look at this text, the people haven't got to that place yet. They don't believe. So we see in the text that the people begin to question Jesus on who he is. Again, this is after all he has just done. And it says in verse 22, on the next day, the folks see Jesus. They see that he's not around. So what do they do? They get in boats and they travel to Capernaum to find him. Jesus says in verse 26, I love this because sometimes Jesus gets a little gangster in in, in the writings. And he says, he says, you don't seek me because of signs. You seek me because you're hungry again. Basically saying, you're not seeking me to know who I am because if you really paid attention to all the miracles I've already done, you would know that I'm God. But instead, you've come to me because you want more physical or material satisfaction.
2: Wow. Sound familiar to any of us? Let me bring it a little closer to home. How many of us have come to God this way.
1: God, I need more of this. I need more of that. Better better yet, how many of us in the past week, maybe even the past day, have said, God, I need more money. I I need more of this. I want this relationship. I want this. Instead of coming to God, just to want more of him. Wanting to
2: know him. Again, do you
1: really believe? And does he satisfy? Jesus keeps going on in the text and he says, don't work for the food that perishes. But the food that endures for eternity, which the son of man gives to you. Then the people ask in verse 28, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says, all you got to do is believe. All you have to do is believe in the one who he has sent. In essence, all you got to do is believe in me. You all I was reading this and and I, as I was studying it, I, I I began to laugh a bit and be in a smile because I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening to what Jesus is saying to them and I'm looking at all his works. And and I think it's funny a lot of times. I mean, we all do this when we come to Jesus, believing in him and 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 and. and, and believing the gospel and the fact that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and he rose from the grave, we always got to add to it it, that's just too simple. It's like, wait, wait a second, God. All you want me to do is believe you. I don't need to bring anything to the table. I, I don't need to bring my good works, uh, all these things. We, we always got to add to it. Like, God, I, I've been good today. I, I, I've done this well. And we, when we think it, it merits some kind of favor or something on the other hand, and Jesus said, no, I don't need any of that. All I need is for you to believe. It's hard for us to fathom that to be saved, all we have to do is believe. There's no hill to climb. There's no award to win. There's no amount of money that we we need to have. I mean, there's there's no amount of great good deeds. Jesus says all you got to do is believe. See, the truth is we tend to complicate this thing. We make it really difficult, whether we're believers or not. It happens on this side of belief where you haven't believed where we make it hard to come to Jesus. I got to clean myself up. And then when we come to know Jesus, we still make it hard to believe the gospel every day. Well, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to be better here. We got to prove ourselves. And the reason we do that is because everything in the world, whether it's school or it's your job, Friends, everything in the world says, You need to prove yourself to me. Show me that you're worthy or that you're, you're worth my time. And we take that same understanding and we put it with Jesus. And all he's saying really, it, it, that, that, that doesn't equate to believe in me. He saying, All, all you got to do is believe in me. There's nothing you need to do, there's nothing you can do, just believe. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, because I don't want you to miss this. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Which means, again, there's nothing we can do or bring to the table that's good enough to warrant salvation. It's by God's grace that those that believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are saved. And here is the truth of the matter. Behind all of that, if we're really honest with
2: ourselves, we ain't that good anyway. I know y'all came in here,
1: G'd up and looking great. Y'all don't know what that means. Y'all came in here looking good.
2: but We really ain't that good anyway. We got some dirt in our lives. We got some mess. Everyone.
1: But see, the problem is we're not honest with ourselves. We like to think, as my grandmother used to say, that our stuff don't stink. Friends, unless we're able to acknowledge The messiness of our lives or our sin, our rebellion against God, making the good things of God the ultimate things. And unless we're able to acknowledge this, it's hard to really experience the magnificence of the gospel because you're always in the way. It's hard for you to experience how much
2: God loves you because you're, you're in the way. Essentially, your head
1: is just too big. It's always about you. You think too highly of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves. I don't want you all to miss this. Y'all ever been to the movie theater before? Come on now. I know it's COVID. Y'all don't care. Y'all been to the movies before already. Y'all been to the movies of COVID? Come on. Yeah, right. You ain't got to raise your hand. It's okay. But y'all been to movie theater before, right? And in movie theater, it's the worst thing when you sit behind somebody that's got a big old head, right? I mean, you see that the person in front of you, they, they're suffering from a, a case of Bevo Lottie. Y'all know what that is? Bevo got more head than he got body. I mean, head is ginormous. And what you do when you when you see the person in front of you with the, the big old head because you want to see the movie. What do you do? You Get up. And you move to another seat. So you can see
2: moving. And see the problem is with us. If we're honest, that's us. We're all suffering. Or many of us are suffering from a case of Bivolati. Heads just too big. We think of ourselves too much. And because of that We can't see a clear picture of who God truly is. And in order for us to see him, we've got to move out the seat in order to see him.
1: We've got to lower our view of ourselves to see who he truly is. It's like in Isaiah chapter 6, some of my Bible thumpers in here know this chapter, he He comes and has this encounter with God and in the chapter, Isaiah sees God high and lifted up on the throne and smoke is filling the the temple and the train of the robe of God is filling the temple. And he's sitting on his throne and there's seraphim, these angelic beings with, with wings and big feet and face. And they're flying around and they're singing to the Lord. And in the midst of this, Isaiah has this experience where he sees all of this and he sees God high and lifted up. And his natural response is to fall to his face and say, woe is me. For I'm unclean. And see, that's the right experience or the right response when we come face to face with God. That's the proper response. But a lot of times we do just like these people in the text.
2: We just keep asking questions.
1: See, it's hard to see God or Jesus for who he actually is because we think too highly of ourselves. I mean, when you look back at the text... And you see these people. Even after Jesus says, "All you got to do believe is believe." He's already walked on water. He's calmed a storm. He's fed twenty thousand people. All he, all he all he says is, "You got to believe." Even after all of that, they still say, "Well, Jesus, show us another sign. Show us another sign so that we may believe." Basically, prove to us that you're worthy of our belief. And I read this, and I'm like, "Man, I could have slapped these people for Jesus." Are you serious? And it's easy for us to look at the past and say, man, what kind of audacity is this? But truth be told, we're just like these people many times. Unless God shows up in our life the way we want him to or how we want him to, it is hard to believe because he doesn't fit in our own little personal box that we've made and put God in. Friends, believing in Jesus is to believe in someone who's much greater than ourselves, which is hard to fathom again because our heads are just too dang on big. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 5, that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Then he says in verse 6, humble yourself so that God may exalt you in due time, which means, hear me, that your stuff stinks just like everybody else. But in the midst of that,
2: because that's true, instead of being captivated by your own goodness, turn your gaze towards someone else. Who is worthy of your captivation? Who is Jesus? Who died for you? Believe, he says.
1: Believe. But the people keep on going and they say, well, our fathers ate manna and bread from God in the wilderness. And they asked, well, what will you give us? We need another sign. Do you have something to show us who you are? Jesus says, Moses wasn't the one who gave you the manna in the wilderness. No, that was God, the Father, who gives you true bread from heaven, bread that gives life to the world. And then they reply, well, give us this bread, then Jesus. And Jesus then replies, he says, well, I am. There it is. I am the bread of life. But y'all have seen me, and you do not believe. But whoever comes to me and believes... I will never cast him out. I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41, he says, For everyone who believes, looks upon the psalm, shall have eternal life. I will raise him up. Friends, don't miss this. Here's what's happening here in this passage. Don't miss this. Jesus has done this marvelous miracle in front of 20,000 some people with five loaves of bread and two fish which doesn't bring these people to belief, but instead they come to Jesus seeking another sign. Give us more, Jesus. We need more personal satisfaction. And Jesus says, don't look for the perishing bread. I am the bread that never perishes. Don't miss this. I'm the bread that never withers. I'm the bread that that leaves you satisfied for all eternity. I'm the bread that not only satisfies your deepest hunger, but I'm the bread that satisfies your soul. He says, I'm the bread of life that makes everything else in this world pale in comparison to me. That boy, that girl, that job, that money, that school, whatever it is, all of that pales in comparison to who I am, Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is believe. Come to me. He says, I'm here. This is why Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. But see, the problem with this verse is that we do the same thing to this scripture that we do uh, with the scripture we have today. Some of us, we, we got this verse probably tattered on our bodies. We know Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we we take this verse, and I'm gonna come up in your neighborhood a little bit with this one because we start Americanizing it a bit, and we make it we make it to uh, think we we think of it this way. Well, well, I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me, so I can conquer this hill. I can get through this trial. I can encourage myself because I got Christ on my side, so I can make it. And that's not even what the verse means. You know, I know because when Paul writes this in Philippians four, Paul is sitting in a jail cell. He's talking about contentment. He's saying, "With Christ, I'm satisfied. I don't need anything else. I'm content." He's not talking about getting through no trial, y'all. He's sitting in a jail cell, about to die. He's saying, I have everything I need in him. He's saying, my strength doesn't come from what's happening around me or to me or how much money I have. My strength comes from the Lord. And in this case, it ain't coming through me getting through this trial. It's not coming. My season ain't coming. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm content because I got everything I need
2: in Jesus. And Some of us, We need to hear that this evening because we're in a situation
1: Well, if we're honest, this pandemic has gotten the best of us. What's happening around us has gotten the best of us. Racism, different things that are happening in society have gotten the best of us, and we need to be able to proclaim, just like Paul, believing that I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. No matter what happens to me,
2: I'm content because like Paul, he knows. And you know that heaven awaits you.
1: Here's the point, family, in all of these verses. Folks were hungry. Jesus fed them. So they were content for the moment. But sadly, just like we are with any meal, Sooner or later, we get hungry again. And Jesus says to them, I'm the bread of life. Seek me
2: and believe in me. In essence, he's saying
1: to them and saying to us too, although your stomachs may be empty right now, life may have gotten you down. Hear me, your finances may not be where you want them to be. Maybe the past semester didn't go the way you want it to go. Maybe that friend has turned their back on you or the boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you and you thought y'all were going to get married. Here's what he's trying to say. No matter what happens to you on this side of heaven, you can be satisfied knowing that the true gift of heaven awaits you. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Come to me and believe. Friends, during this season of your life right now in college, social media and all the things that are happening around you, there's many things around us that can cause our our attention to go astray. And and we'd be wrapped up in all the material things. and, And if we're honest, we start playing the The game of comparison and and looking at other people and what they have and what we don't have. And I want to be like him or I want to be like her. And the truth of the matter is, when we come to Jesus, the playing field is level. There's no he's up
2: here and you're down here or she's up here and you're down here. The playing field is level. Jesus died for our sins,
1: past, present He died, he was buried, and he went to the grave, and he rose three days later, and we all, through our belief, get the same satisfaction in knowing that we will one day be freed from this world and live with him forever, which means there will be no more
2: longing for that of which we do not have. Jesus says in the text, all you have to do is believe and he will satisfy you. Not only for today, but for all eternity. He's the bread of life. Just believe and know that he'll satisfy your deepest longing.
1: So family, I end with the same question I began with.
2: Do you truly
1: believe in Jesus?
2: Does he truly satisfy you? Do you truly believe in Jesus? Does he truly satisfy you?
1: Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're a good God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I do pray that you do a work in our heart, not only tonight, but throughout this whole week,
2: that you would reveal to us yourself
1: that whatever we walked in here with that we thought was so important or we thought really satisfied us. We're here, God, for a reason. Lord, so I pray
2: that you meet everyone here in this space, that we would know your grace, that we know your love that we know that true satisfaction and peace is only found in you, Jesus. And we'd ultimately believe, as you said, that you're the bread of life that never perishes, never withers. And all we need and all we want is found in you, Jesus.
1: It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycindy.com.